We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius, no mic today. And last night, the Lakers uh, lost to the Toronto Raptors in a game where the final score did not quite indicate how how it went. It was 114 to 103. Lakers were down 30 to 6 at one point. I think that was the the worst it got. 22 to 2 or 23 to 2, like 24 to 2. It was bad at the very beginning, like as if the 30 to six score didn't already tell, like the Lakers had two points for several minutes while Toronto had way more than two for several minutes, Pete. Man, it was like watching varsity versus JV or versus the freshman team, not just the JV team. It was like varsity versus freshman in both like they're so much bigger than us, right? We've talked yep. so much about the microball lineups and kind of the weaknesses of being small at every position. And they really targeted Malik and Austin in particular. Those are both players that the way that teams target them, they try to go through them or go over them. And I thought they did a good job of that. And we didn't show a, a whole lot of fight and organization. And that's what I mean too by that like kind of freshman versus varsity, right? Is that we're out there a lot of times on offense just kind of doing our thing. And when that combines with, you know, not being able to shoot and it just it, the, it was so staggering. It was so, you know, they overwhelmed. So profound. Yeah. They overwhelmed the Lakers. Yeah. Another theme that I saw was like Toronto's how you build a small ball team. Mm-hmm. Toronto's a very instructive team to me for this Lakers group because I made this point a few pods ago about some of, Maybe some of the older Lakers looking in the mirror and maybe seeing a younger, more prolific version of themselves. In some ways, the Lakers might look at Toronto and see a version of themselves that they were trying to potentially be this season as a small ball team, as a team that could space the floor, shoot the ball, play in transition a lot. because. Toronto is sort of that ideal of what we hope the Lakers could play towards this season, I think. It's funny because I don't think that we were necessarily intentional about 
playing small this year, right? So sure. even before any of the results came in, right, I was adamant. This is going to be a small ball team, even to the point where not even Dwight is probably going to play as we get later in the season. No Big Island, right? And it's going to be Anthony Davis. And now we don't even have AD and haven't for a good portion of the last, I don't know, 30 games. And they're still barely playing Dwight at all. And part of that, and, and so part of kind of stumbling upon a style of play, right, as opposed to doing it intentionally, is you've got so many weaknesses within it. If you heard, there's a quote by Rob Palenka prior to the season of the three priorities. One was a playmaker, the other was shooting, and then the third was to go back to a lob threat type big from the 2020 season, those types of bigs. Now, how the playmaker that they got, Russell Westbrook, adds up with the other talent that they have with LeBron and AD, which adds up with the lob threat bigs that don't space the floor. We've seen a lot of the spacing and it was rough last night as well, right? But obviously we didn't we didn't go big, but going small the way that we have has been just a function of like our good player, our big players are not good as opposed to a team like Toronto, where talk to me about what it is about them that is instructive. In, because I think that being able to build a team in this way going forward is going to be very important. And the attributes that we kind of collect in this laboratory experiment of the last, you know, 15 games of the season of what works and what doesn't, especially with the small guys, I think that that is the value we can get out of this period of time is we can go into next offseason being like, OK, we need a guy like this. This type of guy doesn't work as well. Talk to me how Toronto informs that. Yeah, I think the lessons learned idea is super important, particularly around the future of LeBron James and Anthony Davis as the core of this team. Right. And what type of team you want to build around them. You could always go back to the 2019-2020 model if everyone is on board with that idea. But if you're going to build towards like, hey, we're going to play smaller. Anthony Davis is a center. LeBron James is a center in a lot of lineups. Do you want LeBron getting center minutes going forward? I do. So here's the thing. So I would say that in in 70% of his minutes, he's probably splitting between like point guard and power forward. And I don't know how you define that, right? Like, because he's going to have the ball regardless. He's one of the best decision makers in the league that you don't want to relegate him to being an off the ball worker. That said, for 30% of his minutes. And so, like, let's say that's 10 minutes a game out of a 30 minute game. He might play center, right? And so that's like two shifts a game at roughly five minutes each, right? Which is what we were talking about last game. It's just like, no, man, he can't start at center. Right. He can't play 25 minutes at center, right? That That's that's too many. And the, and the ask is so much bigger, I think, on the defensive end than on offense. Because in some ways, it, speaking to your point, like LeBron is LeBron on offense and he's whether he's playing point guard or power forward, whatever label you want to give him, he's going to do similar things. Now, relative to the personnel on the floor, maybe he's going to be a role man a little more at the five, but really the big dif- difference is on the defensive end. And I think that that's where the bigger asks and the like having to do this all the time, it's just such a big ask for him on the, on that end. Yeah, and, and so let's get back to Toronto because that's a topic worth, that's a whole nother pod's worth of topic. And maybe we'll touch on that topic a little bit more over the course of well, of uh, this discussion. But the Raptors are basically Van Vliet, 
who is a small guard and like, I don't know, six other dudes who are like six, six or bigger. And a lot of them are six, eight, six, nine, six, ten dudes who are rangy and long and get after it defensively. And it's sort of just like, yeah, more of those guys. Right. And so Gabriel, for example, and I think we'll get into him a little bit later in the pod. He didn't stick out like a sore thumb the way that Malik Monk did right now. But Gabriel's not near the athlete that like Siakam is or Scotty Barnes is just the way that Toronto's guys were moving around the court, how easily they got to spots on the floor, their elevation over the top of players who were even similar size to them. That's different than what Gabriel offers. And there's a reason why Scotty Barnes went fourth in the draft right. versus Gabriel, who was available three quarters of the way through the season for a two way contract. You've got a big strength discrepancy there, too. That's the thing with and we'll get we'll get into Gabriel, I think, more in the second segment. But guys like Barnes and Siakam can not only go over the top of you, they can go through you a bit if you're a Malik Monk or an Austin Reeves type. Yeah. And there's a coordination factor that they bring to like Barnes is maybe one of my favorite rookies in the last He's five so years. Oh, good. I love Scotty yeah. Barnes. He's just my type of dude. Like the way that he plays the game, the effort that he plays with, the joy that he brings to the game, the competitive streak that he has, and then all the freaking tools. Man, he's got all the tools. Yeah. It's it's just like, oh, you know, if he was a mechanic, he he'd fix your bike and then he'd repair your car. It's just he's like, a, oh, yeah, he's oh, that dude. Like yeah, your jet that. engine? Oh, your jet's <laughs> broken? Oh, here, let me get under the hood of your jet engine. I bet I could fix fix that too, right? Like he's he's got all the tools and he brings it all to the table every minute that that he's on the court. And so I love Barnes. Then like I said, man, like even off the bench like a guy like Boucher, who is like, mm-hmm. like I okay, like him quite a bit as well. You're part of a eight or nine man rotation. You can get playoff minutes, but for the Lakers, he'd start right, and he'd be spacing the floor. He'd be playing he'd be thirty helpful. minutes a game. Yes, right. Like he'd be our, a better version of winning Gabriel. Yeah, and in our and even in our text thread, Mike had mentioned the guy from the Spurs, Thaddeus Young. Yes. So Mike had mentioned Thad Young, and it's just like. Man, how'd the Raptors end up with Thad Young? They don't even need this dude. And Thad Young got, I don't know, he probably played like 18 to 20 minutes last night. But in reality, they didn't need Thad Young. Like, they could have played Ken Birch and everything would have been fine. He could have gotten all of those minutes. They could have stretched out some of their other dudes. Meanwhile, Thad Young would have been like the second best player or third best player on the Lakers last night. And so they just came at the Lakers with wave after wave after wave of of like 6'9", 6'10", dude. Meanwhile, the Lakers are just like, yeah, well, can we can we defend with Wayne Ellington here? And and it's just like the discrepancy between wing in wing talent and the ability of those guys to be to be two way players strictly off of like how big they are and how athletic they are. That's the element that the Lakers have been missing so much this season. And I was envious, honestly, watching Mm -hmm. the Raptors just go up and down the court and just be like, yeah, we're bigger than you. We're stronger than you. We're faster than you. And we can still space the floor. And we can still space the floor. Well, one of the reasons why they could space the floor too, Pete, is because they were able to get to spots on the court using their size advantage yeah, that then drew help 
Yep. And so they're kicking out to dudes who are wide open. Right. And so when you see some of the threes that they were getting, of course, those threes are going in because they're wide open threes. Right. And NBA guys can make those shots. Even the guys on the Lakers, like we were talking about this a like a few pods ago where, where Mike was saying, like, have you looked at the three-point shooting percentage of some of the Lakers guys? Like, Avery's at 40%. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a lot of guys tends right around at there. 40%. There's a lot of guys in that 38 to 40% range. And one of the reasons why is because the shot quality on a lot of their shots is so high because teams are just packing the paint against the Lakers. And... And so those kickout passes, they're leading to open threes, right? And, and so the fact that they don't go in more often is sort of dispiriting at times. And I thought against the Raptors, that was one of the big things that led to it being a blowout the way that that it was. But in any event, let's go to break here, because on the other side of this, I want to talk a little bit more about Gabriel. And then I want to talk some, too, about how LeBron played against a team that was built the way that the Raptors were. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Pete, talk to me about Gabriel some. He started the second half in place of Stanley Johnson, he got key, key minutes. And I thought he was um, a nice ingredient in some of the Lakers' more functional lineups, not only in this Raptors game, but the previous game as well. So I think the Lakers' well is a bit poisoned right now. I've been talking about poisoned soil, and it's difficult to grow anything, right? In that when you play small in particular, you you have to play hard. Because if you're big, you can be a little bit lazy because you're still big. If you don't feel like, you know, running around and all of that, you're still a deterrent around the rim. You're still going to get some rebounds simply by existing, right? Because you're a big, a big person. When you're small, you don't have that luxury. And so part of my advocacy for Gabriel, and I like, I think he's a 30 minute player at this point, as silly as that sounds, is because he will, he runs the, like, 
he doesn't piss me off watching him play basketball. And so much of this team pisses me off playing basketball, the jogging and the just blatant, like we've packed it in type of mentality. And so in some ways beyond even his, his talent, I think that he provides something that's nourishing that, Look at look at when and it stands out so much on on this team, especially amongst the bigger players, that he'll collide with somebody midair, and he's kind of like I described him the other day as a taller Stanley with a jumper with a streak of bad Baysmore, and we've seen some of it. Like he's a little bit too sped up, and he'll you know he's not he's going to get beat and he's going to miss shots. Right? It's he's not a he was available for a reason, I suppose, is what yes. I'm saying. Yes, but. I think that his effort level, his ability to credibly space the floor, all of that, guys like him and Austin um, and, and Stanley in particular, those are the three guys that stand out from a, I'm never worried that they're not going to be playing hard at least. And I think that under these circumstances, those internally motivated guys, when our when our veterans are so kind of hit and miss, touch and go, like am I really going to give everything I have just to get our asses kicked by 10 instead of 18 points, right? Like they're not, they're not doing that. Those internally motivated guys, plus the size and spacing. I like him. And I think that he's one of those guys that over these last, you know, games can be one of those instructive, like we should probably really consider having a stretch five type of guy uh, o- over the course of this offseason. Another thing, and you mentioned, Stanley and Austin, um, as well as Gabe Gabriel, one of the things that those three also have have in common is relative size, right? Yeah, to their and, position. No, and, great and point. It so, is so necessary. Yeah. So, so Austin, Austin's been playing a fair amount of point guard. Basically, he's been bringing the ball up a fair amount. Even when Russ and LeBron are in the game, he's still been bringing the ball ball up. He's been defending point guards and shooting guards, right? And so, like, he started the game defending Van Vliet, right? And Monk was on um, Gary Trent. And that's been a trend lately. Russ has not been defending point guards. And in a lot of situations, he's not been defending shooting guards either. He's been sliding up and defending forwards. And so, so Russ was on Scotty Barnes, I think, to start the game. Mm-hmm. And so Austin... So Austin's been showing good size playing against point guards and Stanley, while he's going to be outsized defending a lot of like bigger forwards, he doesn't stand like he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb when he's defending on the wing right now. The other night when he's like defending a center, that's a different ask. And you can tell then that he's out of his element there. Right. But then you get you got a guy like like Gabriel and it's just like like I said. Like, oh, he can stand toe-to-toe with a Siakam or with a Scotty Barnes. Those guys are much stronger and more physical than than him. And that's where his weaknesses will show up. He's not a vertical athlete by any means. And so he had a couple of dump-off passes and he was trying to go up in traffic, like in in a crowd. And he didn't have the juice in his no. legs to get up over the top of guys that way. But his ability to just stand in the corner or be above the break and be like, yeah, I'm going to shoot this with confidence when, when I'm open. And then when guys close out on me, I'm going to make a move to the basket. And then the defense then has to react 
to him. Those things are useful when he's running, when, when he's running the floor, that's useful. When he's going to the glass on both sides of the ball, that's useful. And so 30 minutes a game, like, is that too many for him? It is. It is. But is he a guy that could play 20 plus minutes a game and give that same effort that he's giving in 10 minutes a game and 12 minutes a game for that extended stretch? He can. And that is super important for a Lakers team that doesn't have a lot of size. Like, look, man, Dwight was out for personal reasons this last game. But even if Dwight was available, he probably wasn't going to play. Maybe yeah, they're too fast for him. Maybe against Kem Birch, maybe. But then even then, the the athleticism on the wing would have been difficult. For and then Dwight you got to step out to Van Vliet on the perimeter right? on defense. Yeah. So there's all of that. Ariza's been banished again, yeah. right? And and so there's no other bigs. There's no other forwards on the team, Pete. It's Stanley Johnson. It's LeBron and it's Carmelo Anthony. And so you can't build a functional front court rotation with only three dudes. There's 96 minutes there. Like there's you and I'm sorry, you don't want to slide THT up very often. I thought he had some success defending Siakam when Siakam was spaced out because TH because the weakest part of Siakam's game is his handle. And if there's one thing THT can do, it's he can disrupt the dude's handle, right? Like he's yeah. got those big paws and long arms and he's just like, oh, I can reach in and, and and poke the ball away. And he gave Siakam some some issues there. But big picture, you need Gabriel to play. Yeah, abso- absolutely. On, on this current roster, especially. Uh, but. I want to talk about THT though. Uh, he had a, these were this was a back to back between you know Phoenix and Toronto, and in those two games, there was probably more garbage time collectively in those two games. You know we're down twenty within this first six minutes of both games basically, and Taylin really thrives in those environments. Like if you go back and you look at the games where he he's really good, it's in the more disorganized kind of garbage time is somewhere that he will will thrive and then against a team like phoenix where he has to make a lot of decisions he'll struggle a bit so let's take another break and when we come back i want to get into the distinction between those two scenarios and and where Taylor can bridge that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we were talking yesterday about how Phoenix is a team that does that makes the correct basketball play on at as high of a percentage as about any team in the NBA. Toronto is another team that is especially well coached in that respect. To give you an example, they're the team that I think closes out best in the league to the three point line. They are so disciplined they'll they will close out and and they'll shade toward the baseline, right? Or they when 
when you're teaching your players like how to close out, you're going to say, hey, we're going to close out with this hand and, and shade in a certain direction. And they are so they're great with that type of, of discipline. And against most teams like that, Taylor can struggle a bit. And so he had a good game last night on both ends of the floor. And again, I, I give that the garbage time type of qualifier. But then in the Phoenix game, he was he looks like he's kind of lost in a maze, like he's trying to figure out a puzzle of sorts more than anything in those types of games. We talked about that play on like the kick out to Russ and whatnot. But give me give me your impression of Taylor. There's such a distinction between his good games and his bad games. Why do you think that happens? I'm going to channel Mike here. It's easy to forget that, you know, he's in his third season, but he's 21 years old. He has not played a lot of organized basketball. His first season, he barely played at all. He was in the G League and the G League was basically like, hey, man, talk about garbage time thriving. Mm-hmm. The whole environment was sort of geared towards garbage time, even in competitive games, right? It's just like, hey, man, go out there and run, play pick and roll. Like, do whatever you do. Be an on-ball player. Like, we're here to develop you. We're in service of you. And then last year, he played more, and he had a role, right? But the asks of him were still not quite there every single time. And and, and so now, it's just like, yeah, guess what? Coming in the season, you're going to be a defensive stopper. You're going to play this sort of role for us. And then this year's been blown to hell on so many different levels on injuries and starting lineups and what the asks are and what you're supposed to do on any given night. And it's easy to forget that it's just like this dude's 21 years old. He hasn't played a lot of basketball of especially meaningful basketball. And he hasn't had a lot of like, we're super organized in this way, especially offensively. And so some nights when he has it going, it's just like, yeah, he feels good that night. And, and like the difference between that night and his bad nights are just like, well, I sort of just don't have it this game. And the, what, what is it? What is it that like you think is it his jumper? It is ability, his ability to get to the rim. It's funny, man. Like we've all been at a job or doing something within our regular daily life. And some days it feels natural and some days it just doesn't. Some days the things that you're trying work like it's gold. And sometimes the things that you're trying, you're just like, have I ever even done this before? Right? Like what is wrong with me right now that I'm not able to function in the way that I normally would, would function. And that's the it that I'm talking about with, with THT. There are times where it's just like the, the thing that he wants to do just works against his opponent. And then the times that he tries it the next night it's just like well this isn't working the same way i do think that it's opponent specific even outside of the this team you know executes their defense well i think that he's a guy who can go through players and i've noticed that he really thrives against those wing type of teams like a toronto because he can still put a body into you and create that separation it's the teams that have significant rim protection that kind of immovable object around the rim because in part he doesn't have that that counter even still and so like this offseason I think is going to be huge for him because if he can find that counter to teams protecting the rim or having that immovable object around the rim I think it opens up so much for him but we were having the same conversation going into last summer so we'll see it's not his natural inclination I think Pete to shoot the floater 
his natural inclination is to come to the jump stop and then pivot. And so there's few players. It's this is totally like an 80s player trait, but like teach he finds himself on offense with his back to the basket more than any other perimeter player in the league. Like that a Bonzi Wells type. Yeah. Well, just a guy who's just like, OK, I'm in the paint now and my back is turned to the actual basket. My back is turned. And maybe if you were like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or someone who posted up a lot as a guard, but he gets to those positions off of drives. It's it's totally such rare. an unusual player. I, I've never we've never had a player that's had me as off balance as he is like there's times where I'm like, I, I, I can't with this guy anymore. And then there are other times like this guy's going to be such a two way stud, you know, but he's he's got to fill in those gaps, though, as a shooter. He's got to have one more level of scoring that's dependable. He really does. You've talked about counters. He needs. So right now he is a one plan player, right? <laughs> he really is like, I'm going to the basket. Stop me. Right. And then so if there's 10 possessions, he is thinking drive on all 10. Right. And then on three of those 10, when the drive gets thwarted, he is thinking step back for for the jumper. And then on another two of those possessions, he is getting all the way to the restricted area and then turning his back on the basket because he has no option, right? And then so on so on five of those 10 possessions, he does not get what he wants, right? Because it's either a step back or one of those my backs to, to the basket plays. And then on the other five, he is getting to the rim and trying to finish. Well, if he finishes on four of those five, that's a great success mark on four of those five but in the bigger picture it's still only he's still only getting what he really wants on four of ten possessions yes Yes. right and that gap is huge that's a huge gap well and then there's the then what that's you talk about having that that one plan his ability to read like off of it, especially play, especially as a passer, his ability to read what comes next when the first thing gets stopped is part of that. I mean, part of his struggles with that too are the ball being out of his hands to the degree that it has been. And so that's one of the things about this part of the season, especially, especially, uh, especially with Russ's struggles. We're going to talk about Russ later. I'm yeah, uh, but Taylor being able to, I think that's one of the things we can do with this these last few games is let's give Taylor Taylor the ball. A little more. Yeah. Right? Let's have him run off of down screens as an off ball player in the corner less. And let's have him with the ball in his hands doing what he feels comfortable doing more in this whole spirit of we're in the lab experimenting with yeah. these small things. Right. This might be something that benefits us for three, four minutes a game because it, that's the lineup or shift next year where Taylor is really going to have the opportunity to have the ball in his hands a lot. Wenyan Gabriel or a guy like Wenyan Gabriel, a stretch five that plays with energy, that type of player, what does that look like? I think the that is the purpose of this last part of the season. And Talon's a guy who's had to kind of take a backseat to other guys in ways that I do wonder if now is the time to – not wonder. I, I do think that is the time to put him more in a natural uh, place. 
I do think his slotting needs to be adjusted a little bit and that he does need to get a few more possessions a game as someone who can have the ball. The question is, is who does that come at the expense of? It's likely Russell Westbrook. It's likely Malik Monk as well, right? And that's fine to me if it comes at the expense of both of those guys. There's a real chance that, I mean, in theory, there's a real chance none of those three players are on the Lakers Mm -hmm. next year. That's a real possibility. But if one of them is likely to be here, I would bet it's Taylor Horton Tucker to a certain extent, right? Like for as much as... He's under contract. (laughs) Yes, he's exactly. And so is Russell Westbrook, but... Again, that's a topic for another day. For me, when I look at THT, though, it's still like, what are the lineups that you're going to work best in and what needs to surround you, right? And so when the Lakers made their run against Toronto, it was Gabriel was on the floor, Carmelo Anthony was on the floor, and Wayne Ellington was on the floor. And those guys flanked LeBron and Russell Westbrook or LeBron Mm -hmm. and THT. Right. Mm -hmm. And so go back to what you said earlier in the pod, Pete, about like Palinka's goals. The middle goal of that was shooting. Now, do the Lakers have enough shooting? Probably not. You can never have enough shooting. That said, when they've been at their best, it's because they've had Mm -hmm. two to three shooters on the floor. Right. And THT needs that space, too. Yeah. And so finding functional lineups when your best players, when your ball handlers especially are A, not necessarily pull-up shooters, and B, not floor spacers themselves, that's a tricky equation to manage. And that means pretty much everybody else has to be able to provide that. Yes. And so those are the things that we should be looking out for when we're talking about THT. It's just like, well, who's on the court with him? What's working with this group and and what doesn't? And I'm not saying you need to build out lineups in order to try to make THT successful. But as a 21-year-old and, and a player whose peak and floor offer such a discrepancy, right, then gearing more lineups towards what would facilitate his peak, I think, is important for him and, and his development. And... If that's not going to pay off this season, it could certainly pay off in future seasons for well, for him. And look, there were times against Toronto where he just looked like, I can play with y'all. Mm-hmm. I may not be a 6'8 or 6'9 guy, but I can play with y'all. I can go through you. I can knock you off. I could finish with a backhand layup right around a dude who is supposed to block, block my shot because I have tools too. And that's the intriguing part about THT that keeps me engaged with mm-hmm. him in, in a way where, like you said, there are times where you're just like, I'm done with this dude. And then literally two, two possessions later, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. wait. Wait, what yeah, was there's that? like only a small handful of guys in the NBA that can do the thing that he just did. And that's, yeah. that's been the tantalizing nature of his game. No, he gives up a straight line drive and then boom, he's elevating and taking it right off of the glass. Right. Yeah. It's just like, OK, there's maybe one other guy or two other guys on the Lakers roster who could make that specific play. And their names are LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Right. And so that's what keeps you. Sort of like, okay, well, until there's something actually way better than you as yeah. an option, I'm going to 
yeah, kind let's of keep hold it. some of my stock here. And and so much of it, like I, for me with him, it's part skill and part decision making. And yeah. the decision making often comes with just repetition. Yes, the skill work is an off season type of thing, but. Talon is one of those like what is the point of the last part of this season I think part of it is unlocking more of THT going into the offseason all of these experiments however small I think have a great deal of value we will be back tomorrow Mike should be back talk more Lakers here on the Laker Film Room Podcast Baines has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by Worthy tips to Magic Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores and Magic got it Magic fires again, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.